Burnout is a sign that something needs to change. Welcome to HEAL, conversations to guide you toward personal growth and overall well-being. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of HEAL. Today, I get to interview someone from London, again, from England. I, I don't know. I must have an obsession or something. Her name is Sky Barber. She is an international business coach and a best-selling author. But before she became all of those things, she was something else. Let's learn about Sky's journey. Welcome to HEAL. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's I'm really excited to share my um, share my story and share my journey with your audience. So really, appreciate I can't it. wait. I can't wait to hear it because again, we were just talking about the the podcast really does stand for a number of different things. Heal stands for honoring your past, uh, healing, healing with humor. E is educating yourself, energy, A is awareness, all of this stuff. So the letters actually stand for something, but ultimately what the, the podcast likes to deliver is some stories of inspiration. So I'd love to hear yours. Go far as far back as you'd like to go, Sky. <laughs> no pressure then, no pressure. Know, right, when I was well, three years old. <laughs> yeah, well, well, funny you should say that. Like I don't normally start this early on and don't worry, I'm not about to go give you a whole biography of my whole life, but I will start by saying um, that when I was nine, I couldn't read or write. So I had managed to fool teachers that by having amazing best friends who could read and write, that I had totally fallen off the radar. And it wasn't until a new teacher came in that they recognized that I, I couldn't read or write. And at the time, they didn't, they didn't know what it was, but it turned out to be um, very strong, like strong bad dyslexia whatever you want to call it <gasps> severe dyslexia I just had a guest on who is a dyslexia advocate we just ah, had a great conversation there. about this there we go oh. well oh. I'm really passionate about it and uh, I, I suppose what I want to start this journey off by saying is that we all have like challenges or weaknesses but I'm a big believer about playing to our strengths seeing the gifts that we have got and the thing about dyslexia is it told me everything I wasn't great at or things that didn't come easy to me, but it allowed other things to come really easily. One of them is talking. So if at any point, you know, you want to get me back on rails, just feel free, Elizabeth. Um, okay. So I, I went through school, went through, I, I went to university and I always knew I was different. So at university, I recognized that academically I wasn't going to stand out and shine so how was I going to get one of the top jobs that I was desperately competitive for when there wasn't anything different about me I was like I know what it is it's practical experience I'm going to stop learning about business management and I'm going to do stuff with it so I set up a social enterprise at my university at Leeds in England and whilst I was learning the theory of business I had a team of 50 student volunteers we ran five student projects across the across the university, working with 
um, like deprived children, moms with young moms who didn't understand how to do like budgeting and healthy eating programs and schools and various things. And I got these volunteers from all sorts of different backgrounds to teach business skills to other children in um, and adults in Leeds. The whole idea being that they could then improve their prospects and they were getting jobs off the back of it and work experience off the back of it and that kind of thing. Amazing. And what I learned, How old yeah. were you when you started doing that? I was 19, 20. Who has the force, yeah. like the thought at 19 to, to think outside of themselves? Yeah, you know, I, I, there was, the organization was national. So there was like a different team that competed across national, actually worldwide competitions. It's called Enactus. It's an absolutely incredible organization, but there wasn't a Leeds arm. And I thought, right, I can start this. I'm going to do this. So I remember walking into like pitching, come and join my, my like group in front of like auditoriums of students in hoodies looking at me like, who is this person? Why is she so keen? Why is she working all the time? I was never actually in the library working on my degree. I was always working on these projects. Right. And what the practical experience of this showed me is that I loved people and I loved leading and I loved business. Mm-hmm. It also taught me I was a total control freak, but <laughs> that was a lesson to learn another time. But what it did was it allowed me by playing to my strengths, by leading people, by speaking and not writing, it got me headhunted to a brilliant corporate job um, in the UK for the John Lewis Partnership, which is a really well-respected retail business. And so I was headhunted and I loved it because I um, had to, I, I skipped all the bits of like written applications and right. <laughs> like exams because I just presented and I presented what I'd done at university and they were like, we need people like you in the business. So I just got to the final interview and I was like, this is brilliant, meant to be. That's amazing. That, no one yeah. ever has those stories. Yeah. I, I, I did feel really privileged to the point, you know, when you walk into an interview, I'm like, I'm not sure I want this, but it was at the time of the 2008 crash. And I thought my parents are going to tell me, no matter, you know, if I've got to, if I get this, I'm going to take this. That's right. But luckily I went and spent some time with a person who was doing the job I was going to be trained to do. And I, and I realized it's not about baked beans. It was in the supermarket. It's not about baked beans. It's about people. It's about yeah. customers. It's about engaging people. And that I'd learned already at university, I loved. So I, I went in and there was 10 of us. They cut the, they cut the um, fast track managers right down because of um, the financial crash. Mm-hmm. And there was 10 of us and we were, we had the most fun. I think I cried the most, I was tested the most. <laughs> I was, had imposter syndrome go through me like the entire time as I was at this point, like 22 managing people. And they're like- So young, you? yeah. Yeah. And, you know, having quite high pressure, wanting, being like big expectation that we were like some of the chosen few to go and do this role. And it was, it was difficult, but it was great fun. And I learned a huge amount. So we always learn so much when we're going through something so challenging. Exactly. Oh, there are so many stories from it, but (laughs) I, um, I was, after I finished the graduate program, I then got fast tracked to run my own unit. So at 27, I had a 45 million pound turnover business. I had 250 staff in the middle of Windsor, right next to the castle. Yeah. And it was amazing. Absolutely amazing and terrifying. And, and we had lifts in this store. And I remember we have, it's like shark. Do you have shark tanks? That, that American, we have um, Dragon's Van. Yeah, uh, wait, is Shark Shark Tank's a TV show? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, TV show. So I wasn't on that, but it felt like that. Like when the doors open and you walk into this and like everyone's eyes are on you. Yeah. Who is this 27-year-old come to like show us what on earth to do? 
fact of the matter is I didn't know what I was doing it there either, but <laughs> I had leadership skills and luckily yeah. always got to find because of my dyslexia, managed to find people to help me in areas I wasn't strong. I couldn't read a PL. I'd been taught so many times. I found someone in my team who could and translate it to me. Right. You know, I couldn't, there were certain things I couldn't do, but I knew how to bring people in and how to engage them in a way that they really wanted to. And it was a benefit to them to do. A there really is so job. much, there is so much leaders. There's so much benefit to having the right type of leader. Leadership skills need to be taught to, well, not to all, but you know, um, it's really hard when you don't have a good leader, people lose trust, people lose focus, people lose so much and they just don't want to stay. So it's important to have those amazing skills. I totally agree. And it's something that, I mean, I now teach leadership, so I completely agree with it, but at the time, you know what, we make mistakes, don't we? We don't do everything perfectly. I, I, you know, I, I ran four stores in my nine years in a career, like as a branch manager, like running and owning the store. And it was like having your own business within a business. And I didn't get a lot. I made lots of mistakes. We had huge change things like massive headcount cuts, redundancies, all sorts mm-hmm. happening business wide. And implementing that was hard. Mm-hmm. And you know, people who'd been in their jobs 45 years only in that store, only in that job only for that company and you were the one coming down and I was the one, and, yeah, yeah and I was the one who having to make the changes this like skipping about late 20s person with mm-hmm. all the energy and it was yeah it wasn't difficult I, it was it was difficult sorry I I definitely without meaning to and I always believe that I'm very cautious conscientious of other people's feelings but I didn't always get that right so there were moments at the end of my um, time with the partnership where I went from loving this job, weirdly, always knowing I wanted my own business because I have very entrepreneurial parents who worked way too hard and told me, don't run your own business, get a job. <laughs> and then when I was in this job, everyone was like, don't leave, yeah, stay. My husband said, it doesn't get any better than this guy. Like, you've got to stay. My parents like, just don't. This company's amazing. Everyone, everyone's like, why would you want to leave? Why would you want to leave? I was in a great But what job. was it doing to you internally and emotionally yeah. and energetically is my question. And I you loved know? it. I yeah. did love it. And I, but I still knew I was going to leave. And it, but it wasn't until the real pain hit when a few, whilst we'd gone through all the, the challenges, I started getting like anxiety. So I was having panic attacks in the car park before going in. I was feeling so unsafe in work. I was having like physical symptoms of stress. I ended up in hospital for three days, um, having like emergency MRI scans because I'd, I'd dropped down, collapsed. I was hurt numb all down one side of my body. Uh, vis- visibility, I couldn't see for not the whole time, but for periods of time out of my left eye. And it was really scary. And they were thinking that it was like a brain aneurysm. And I um, luckily it came out as work stress uh, but I remember sitting there in the hospital bed, tapping on my laptop, phoning my boss, being like, oh, this is hilarious, work stress. Oh, I can get over that, no problem. Because the culture was, I was you know, young, most of my colleagues were like 50-year-old men. The culture was, you stay strong. Like, you are part of this gang and none of us, like, none of us suffer. Like, it's all fine. We can take whatever's thrown at us. And that wasn't the case. Internally, I was, I'd actually got over the hardest bit, but I was like in burnout, complete burnout. Yeah. Well, what was happening was you went through the the trauma 
yeah. of the, the hard bits. And then now your yeah. body's reacting to it, delayed reaction yeah. to it all. And, Absolutely. and truly, you know, you put your body through so much stress that it was just responding finally. Yeah, it was. And, and, you know, good on it for holding it together for the last 12 months. Cause it could have, it could have been a, that, but it, it, it compounded. And, and I was like, what's what my team's in a great place now. Everyone's really happy. Like I'm loving my job again. Everything's turned fun. Why now is it showing up? I couldn't, I couldn't make the connection at that point, but I did have a coach. So the, we were, I was trained as a coach within the partnership and we had coaches. Mm -hmm. So I had an external, I had a, a coach come to me and I was explaining the story and he just said, Sky, stop. And this man is someone I deeply respect, but he's as introvert as anyone and he's quiet mm -hmm. as a mouse. And he just said, stop. You've got to listen to me. I'm going to take my coaching hat off and I'm going to tell you exactly how this is. I see people going down this path so many times. He said, you've got a choice. You keep doing what you're doing and thinking that you have to solve all the problems and firefight everything and do every, every role there is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And all you will do is continue down this burnout, poor health. And Sky, this isn't just going to affect your career. This is going to affect your family. This is going to affect your friendships. This is going to affect your health for your entire life. Mm -hmm. I see it. And you think that you're young and you're energetic and you're resilient and none of this stuff is going to affect you. It is, and it will continue to affect and you. It has. And no different. <laughs> yeah, and it has. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I was completely head in the sand being like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Like brush it off, brush it off. What I call the independence block now. Cause I noticed it was me just being like, I can be super strong. Like I'll be fine. Yeah. And, and that was a real wake up call because I did not expect this man who was very quiet and introvert to be so assertive with this with this language and it really got me to think and he listed off some colleagues that I knew but they kind of disappeared and and it all came to I was like oh my goodness this isn't just this isn't just a game like this isn't something that I'll just like have a good night's sleep and get over and he explained about my batteries like the and it's spiritual your mental your um, mm -hmm. physical batteries and how like mine was so depleted at that point that I, I basically couldn't get recharged. And whilst at that point I knew I needed to do something different, it still took me nearly three years to leave. Yeah. I'm not surprised. So this sounds so similar to um, bits and pieces of my story. I'm a classroom teacher. I teach kindergarten and for the past few years, I keep saying like, this is just killing me. This is getting harder. Not that I can't handle the hard work, but it, you know, I've worked my whole life. I can handle hard work and teachers do the same thing. They just continue to um, complete, take on and um, complete the work, extra work that keeps getting put on their desk over and over again. Every year, it's one more thing one more thing, one more thing. And then we just keep going and nobody says no. Everyone's afraid to say no, because the, the, I think the thought is, well, you know, we have to do this. This is what we have to do. Um, and fear of losing their job. So I'm fear of letting people down, you know, that oh, yeah. I call it the responsibility block, like where you feel just really responsible and you care so deeply for those students yeah. in your case. And for mm -hmm. me, for my team yep. and for my family and, and in my own business, for my clients, that actually it puts you to the bottom of the pile. It really does. Told, it really does. Yeah. And nothing's going to change until people no. decide to band together and change. 
So yeah. Yeah. When we flip it and people say to me, oh, but I can't put myself first. I'm like, putting yourself first doesn't mean you have to like, I don't know, lie on a beach all week. It does mean that you can create a bit of space and time for what you need, because if you're in a great place, that is going to affect the dynamic with your children, with your partner, yep. with your clients, with your team. And to speak everything. of the battery analogy, which I really loved, I really loved that. Um, you do, it's a daily practice. You can't just, like you said, go to the beach for a week and then I'm all set for the year. I'm ready to go. <laughs> you know, it just doesn't yeah, work I mean, that way. Who here, you know, imagine listening to this has been on holiday or had like had that lion at the weekend. You're like, oh, I'm going to feel so much better for that. And you're like, nope, not feeling any better now. <laughs> But uh, yeah, you know, it's a compounding effect and it's, it's little life changes that are needed to make. And, you know, I certainly don't sit here being perfect with how I live my life, but yeah. I do try and I do always put something in for myself because if I'm a snappy, short fused person, cause I'm feeling stress and under pressure, that does not make me a good parent. And I've got a four-year-old and a one-year-old. If I don't have like childcare support that I have um, or if I, you know, feel like I'm rushing from one thing to another, that doesn't put me at my best to my clients. And it definitely doesn't put me at the best. I know if my husband wants to have a conversation with me in the evening, like, no. So it's about putting yourself first. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, and to be fair, the timeline, I just talked about that three years probably wasn't quite from the hospital phase. It was probably a year, but it was kind of the three years in that I know something's got to change. I know I want my own business, but I didn't have an idea. Uh-huh. <laughs> which is the critical block showing up in saying that I'm scared that none of my ideas might actually work. I may fail and therefore I'm going to stay safe and not make a decision and pretend I don't have an idea. Right. Um, subconsciously. Uh, so I, I've all the books of like all the ideas I wrote down and everything I tried and what I learned and what I help, what I, what I don't help, this isn't what I teach, but what I encourage other people to do and what I'd encourage any listener who wants to make that transition, instead of just turning one tap off and jumping full force into one, Mm -hmm. dip your toe, go and experiment. Experiment when money isn't like the major factor. Mm -hmm. Whether that's in a week's holiday you've got, whether that is just in an evening or a weekend, that's what I did. I had to prove to myself my biggest fear. My biggest fear was I can't make money outside of a paycheck. Someone needs to hand me cash. Mm -hmm. I've never made money, which Mm -hmm. actually was very inaccurate story I was telling myself I've always looking back sold animals on I live on a farm so hence yeah, I, you know what and we're programmed we're programmed from an early age yeah. to believe certain things and we we yeah, hold on to absolutely. those beliefs so. and you go to school go to university get a job be paid like do be good stay in mm-hmm. the line be polite <laughs> have great manners you know and some of those things have definitely held me back because I want to make sure everyone goes fast and you know all of that stuff but yeah. we digress I, um, so I, I tested it out. I was like, what, what do I think I could make money on right now? And I basically ended up doing like, we live in a 16th century farmhouse, really close to like Blanham palace. And so American and Chinese tourists wanted to come and stay. And I upsold from Airbnb. So instead of it being like a 400 pound night, I was upselling to like 2000 pounds and I was taking people on tours. I was cooking English meals for them. And I was just making money on the side of my business but what it did is solidify two things one I do not want a hospitality hotel business that I thought I wanted I love when we try things and we're like nope never want to do that again (laughs) exactly exactly but luckily it only cost me like 10 pounds for a basic website and Squarespace and secondly I can actually make money 
I can see an idea. I can spot a gap. I can sell. I can get cash for that. Mm-hmm. And that was a real confidence boost. Awesome. So I decided partly because of health and partly because I had a vision of how I wanted to have my family. So at this time I was just married and I wanted to have children, but growing up, I had, as I said before, very entrepreneurial parents, but my mom gave up her business dream, closed her business down or sold it. And she was a stay at home mom for us four children. And my dad was never at home, although he was a farmer and worked from home. We never saw him. He never did anything fun with us Uh because he was always working to support us financially. Right. That was his role. Yeah. I was like, whoa. Okay. So you can be a good mummy, like be a present parent, or you can earn great money. Like, what if I want both? Uh How do I have financial independence like I have in my career, which was a really well-paid job, and flexibility and freedom to set my life up around the family, around the mother I want to be, around the farm situation, which is like 24-7 here. Uh And I think my only choice is to do my own business, to start my own business. And so that's, that's what I did. And the, the weekend I left my job, I fell pregnant. Oh. So I had nine months at that point to be like, go, go, go. It's got to go, go, go. <laughs> Actually less than nine months. Cause he was like two, uh, nine weeks premature. Yeah. So less than nine months. But that's how it happened. That's how the business transitioned. And I've got to be honest, it's the best decision I've ever made. Of course. However, well, you're, yes. However, it, go however ahead. it's, you know, it's, it's not that like straight line. Oh my goodness. It's amazing. Look at this freedom lifestyle I have. It's taken work. It's taking investing. It's taking learning. It's taking failing. It's taking crying and picking myself back up again. Um, but I would not have it any other way. So tell me um, when you, when did you decide what, that you were going to become a coach, a business coach? Mm. So what you said, you can't sell anything, which we know was a lie. Um, and you realized you could make money. So when did you decide, okay, now this is what I'm going to do? How did that come to you? So my love for using coaching through my um, corporate career, I decided to train as one. So I did 18 months of training um, as a a coach. And I always knew I wanted to use coaching skills within my work. But again, Mm -hmm. imposter syndrome came out and I didn't feel like I was good enough, ready enough, big enough to do that. So I started off by doing like public speaking training, like where I'd had success before, but it just, nothing I was doing was really sitting right. I nearly got a business partner that was totally wrong. You know, I stumbled into a few opportunities that, hey, I learned a lot, we survived, but, you know, didn't, weren't on, they were because I was just feeling like I was being overly critical of myself. Mm -hmm. I always wanted to go into coaching, kind of the coaching mentoring space. It's not pure coaching around leadership and helping people grow their business without having to do all the things. Basically the mistakes my dad had made, I didn't want myself to make or clients to make because I wanted them to be able to have a wildly successful business and be able to be present at home and go on holiday and all that important stuff. So I was really passionate and I am really passionate about doing it. It just took me another couple of years to work out, no, this is exactly what I am doing and I am good enough and I am ready enough and I am you know, and, and work through a lot of the mindset stuff. So I have been in this niche in like leadership and business coaching for three years. In that time, I have grown a multi six figure business. I've taken six weeks out, completely blackout from the business, had our most successful period with my second son. 
I take whatever time off I want. I always have Fridays off, Mondays I just work when I want. And I've scaled coaching businesses. I have worked with online and offline businesses up to helping clients get to seven, multi seven figure level. And it's really a true privilege to do what I do. I still learn every day. I still make mistakes. I still get yeah. nervous at times. But we have to. That's how we learn. We have to. But we have you to. Know? We do have yeah. to. And, and the reality is it took me until last year to pay myself more than what my, what my employer paid me. That's amazing that you actually got to that point in three years. Yeah. 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 Three years. Three years. And I work... I mean, in terms of like client facing hours and like actually on a call hour, I work a third or maybe 25% what I did in my corporate job. Now, as an entrepreneur, there's very limited time when you want to switch off or you do switch off, but that's partly because it's a choice thing. And I'm a big believer about not judging anyone for what they want to work or how they want to do things. But as long as it's driven by you, and what you deem to be important and how, you know, the way you choose to run your life. So some of my clients come to me being like, I'm working hundred hours a week. I can't do this anymore. I want to work 50. And then some clients come to me and be like, I'm working 25 hours a week. I can't do this anymore. I want to work 10. I'm like, (laughs) that's great. Like you want to make a change. We can do that. It doesn't matter what that change is, but it needs to be right for you. So you coach small business owners or yeah. startup. Yeah. So that's wonderful. That's amazing. I'm sure that there are a few of those listeners right now um, who will be tuning in. So that's awesome. Um, I'm also a small business owner. My sister and I are going to start a second one as well. I think we're in the process of talking about it. So I'm going to keep your number on speed dial. <laughs> I do. Too. Right. Um, all right. So you switched and for three years now you've been doing this, but I also introduced you as a best-selling author. Can you tell mm-hmm. us a little bit more about that? Yes. And this is really relevant going back to my first story around dyslexia. I believed I could never be a writer. I was never good enough. And I, an opportunity came up to be part of a collaboration book called When Women Heal, which is you know perfect for our conversation today in this podcast. And it's all about women sharing their journeys through, you know, the, the positives and the negatives and what we've done to get through it. And the actual process of doing it was hugely healing. I sat down to write the chapter and I burst into tears, burst into tears. So much came up around not being able to do it, not being good enough, even tried talking it out. Nothing would come out. But by doing the book and by being part of it, um, and as we were um, international bestseller, that I really learned so much about myself and how these beliefs I was holding on to as a child of what I can and can't do are a load of crap. Excuse my language. Not only that, but gosh, can you take all of that learning of yourself that you just encountered and help your clients because we all suffer from mindset blocks you know we 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 do we're not good enough imposter syndrome who am I to think that I can do this like those thoughts constantly go through everyone's head but when you're trying to start a brand new project or a new business or new anything they are amplified and much louder (laughs) yeah and you don't have the accountability of someone like a boss being like you know, you got this review coming up. Like if you don't do something as your own boss, then that is your choice. So, you you know, the only one that really suffers is you and also Mm -hmm. the people that you could impact if you did do those things. Mm -hmm. And I have a post-it note here. Uh, Where is it? Oh no, different post-it note. 
but normally I have a post-it note here, which I would have shown you saying like, the worst that can happen is doing nothing. So do something. And it's just about moving and learning and not being scared to test things out, whatever stage of business you're at, whether right. that's right at the start or later on. And, and so being involved in the book, I really tried to take that mentality. It wasn't easy to start with, but the confidence it gave me coming out the other side, having done that, I'm like, oh, I can do that now. It's the same as when I faced a needle phobia. I was terrified of needles, never thought I could have children just because of needles, had hypnotherapy, all sorts for it. And my son, my waters went at 29 weeks. My son was born at 31. So it was incredibly medical, the mm -hmm. whole thing. Mm -hmm. um, so many complications for me and him afterwards, thankfully, both of us fine. Um, that I quickly was like, okay, if I can do that, when I thought I was terrified of needles and all everything we've just been through, then I can do anything right That's now. That's right. Mm -hmm. Including writing my chapter in this book, including- And you did it. Yeah, we did it. <laughs> I love that story. So tell me a little bit about your life now. What are you doing now? And then you have two kids and you still live on the farm. Yes. So yeah, I'm a very active farmer's wife. So in farming worlds, like we all, my in-laws, my brother and sister-in-law, we all live very close to one another, which was great in COVID because we all sort of saw each other out and about on the farm Good. in this our own little bubble, um, you know, has its other challenges at other times. I'm sure you can imagine. But we're here, so we have animals on the farm. Uh, my children have a little pony, which is adorable. We love outdoor life, but it's a simple life. It's, you know, our idea of great fun at a weekend is taking a picnic in the summer and the pony and going out to where the tractors are and going down to the lake and having a barbecue. And um, sounds really wrong. nice. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I love going on holidays and all that stuff. But to me, freedom isn't just sitting on a beach with a pina colada and a laptop and being like, I have a freedom lifestyle. To me, it's being able to say, I'm going to be at my child's nativity. I'm going to be there at sports day. Mm -hmm. For me, I'm, I'm now funding my children's um, private education through my business, which is a goal I've always had. Being mm -hmm. able to do that, being able to support a team of five that solely, solely rely on me for uh, income mm -hmm. in my, in my own team. And there's, but being able to be an active participant in things to support my husband because he runs the whole farm and well active and present so you're really a much better version of you when you yeah. have that freedom the financial freedom yeah. and flexibility in your schedule exactly so I call it full freedom and full freedom is time money and choice so you got that time freedom but I'm big on financial freedom I just didn't want to have to say to my husband can I have some money to then go and buy him a birthday present one of my least favorite things I've, I've always made my own money and it's hard for me to rely on other people. Yeah. So when I, when I have, I've been with the same person for 28 years, we're not married or anything, but if I have to ask for anything, it's really hard. <laughs> I'm one of those independent people. Like, I oh, know nope, I got to do it all myself. So yeah. that might make outsourcing difficult. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Whereas I don't find outsourcing too hard. I've got two amazing, I look at help at home and my team as like united it's all about creating my ideal role within life and like mm -hmm. business and home and like if you could watch me now I'm like crossing my fingers to be like it blends together yeah. it's not yeah. one or the other we talk about balance a lot like is this or that no it's together how do they work together to support the life you want to create for yourself well because that does create the balance yeah but too often we everything is like work, work, work. And I, and I find entrepreneurs, you know, we're the ones who work longer and pay ourselves less than we did when we were in a job. Yep. Um, and I'm on a mission to change that. I love that. 
I love that. I'm so glad I got to talk to you about that today. <laughs> oh, thank you. So I do have your, I did write down the book, When Women Heal, um, was a collaboration book. And just so people, if they want to check that out, it sounds really interesting. Um, I have your socials, which I'll put in my podcast notes. We have a few more, I have a few more questions for you before we um, continue, but I do want the listeners to know that they can follow you on Instagram, Facebook group for business owners, um, your I, website. And they I can, did also have yeah. my thing, if you don't mind me sharing. No. Last week, I launched my own podcast. Oh, and we okay. reached UK top 20 for business and for entrepreneurship, we were number six in the country. Congratulations. What's week. the name of it? Full Freedom for Entrepreneurs. Full Freedom? Full Freedom. Full Freedom for Entrepreneurs with Sky Barber. So if you've uh, enjoyed some of this conversation today, I would invite you to come over. I share from the heart absolutely everything, like tangible takeaways to be able to action and create more time for yourself. I love that. That sounds amazing. I'm going to recommend it to a lot of my friends who I also, we all have like these little side gigs, we call them, <laughs> you know, like little um, yeah. mini businesses on our own business within a business. And um, I'm going to, I'm going to recommend that to my team because it sounds like something we could all benefit from. So thank you. That's awesome. I didn't know that new development. Very, um, yeah. Very new development. Only a week ago. That's so fabulous. And already number four. Did you say? So we were number number six last six. week. And Sorry. yeah, 20 in the business charts. That's fabulous. Congratulations. So I'll put in all of your socials and mention the podcast in our podcast notes, but to respect your time, um, I have a few more questions for you. Yeah. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. So we'd like to ask every guest three questions at the end of the podcast. So here are my three questions. When you are at your most peaceful, what is it that you're doing? Outside in nature with animals and children happily skipping along by my side, which isn't always kids the need case. to be outside a lot more than they are these days around here. Anyways, I feel like we don't let them outside. Well, I know it's been tricky with COVID, um, but we certainly can be outside now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Being outside uh, in nature. Yeah, it's I get so much great healing energy when I'm out there. Mm. Um, all right. That or in the bath, second? actually, I do love a reflective bath with bath salts. Oh, that's a bit of me time. That sounds fabulous as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you were to recommend a book for whether it's your um, client, your you know ideal client, or just for anyone, what would it be? Something oh, so that maybe many. you've read. I know that you had a hard time when you were younger reading and all, but if there's something that you've heard or read or anything um a really amazing a really amazing book um that inspired me to like see oh this this there is a concept around what i teach is um the e-myth by michael gerber gerber i can never pronounce his name talking about scaling a business and that he uses a turnkey system all around like creating reputable models but i love it awesome that's fabulous thank you and then if money wasn't an object what would you be doing living my life exactly as I am now yeah but I would have bought I have an aspiration at, on the farm there's this one like principal house so all the farm around is a family but the principal house isn't it got sold off years ago it's going to be sold again and I would be in there living there and running leadership retreats and I'd be having lots of lovely American guests coming over 
and we would be hosting things then and we'd have a big family Christmas. Oh, that sounds so nice. Listen, if when you get that house and you want to start hosting retreats, I can teach at retreats. I've run my own. So I would love to come. (laughs) Well, I would love to have you. So there we are. That's what I'd be doing differently, but everything else would remain the same. Sounds fabulous. You have to send me some pictures of your area. I'd love to see it. Um, um, I, I will. I'm a big believer in like creating a life like you don't want to create, you don't want to have a holiday from. So, I mean, we all love a holiday or two, but yeah, I wouldn't dramatically change anything, which I think yeah, says a lot about pretty, your choice, your choices. Yeah, good. It has been so nice to talk to you, Sky. Is there anything else that you want to tell our listeners before no, we hang up? Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed recalling some of this conversation and yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd love anyone feel free to connect with me. I love to hear what you've taken from these conversations. Absolutely. Thank you. And remember, everybody, I'll be listing her information in the notes. So if she resonates with you, if you heard something that you um, that, that you might benefit from, you can connect with her. Just check it out in the notes. And thanks again, Sky, for coming. Thank Everyone you. else, I will be back in just two moments. If you're in the Mansfield, Massachusetts area and are looking for a space for yoga, meditation, great workshops, and life coaching support, check out Mainstream Coaching and Wellness. Mainstream even has a couple of virtual options if you don't live close by. Check out their offerings at MainstreamMeditation.com. You can also follow Mainstream Coaching and Wellness on Facebook and Instagram. The name is Mainstream Coaching and Wellness. And here I am. I am back. Just came back to say one more time, thank you so much for joining us. We are so excited that you enjoy this podcast and keep coming back for more. We can't wait to see you next time. But until then, may you be happy, healthy, safe, and live a life that's filled with ease. Thank you. Bye.